The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, the voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 61. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Today we're discussing The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 5, The Jedi. Joining me today on the panel are, first up, we have Mike Creevy. Hey, Father, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Second this evening, we have Thomas Sanherjo. Hi, Father. Hello, hello. Third up, we have Angela Cialana. Hey, everybody. Hello, hello. And last is Andrew Hermes. Hey, Father, ready for another just run-of-the-mill episode? Just, just a yeah. run-of-the-mill episode. Um, should we should we address the the Ahsoka in the room? <laughs> no, we, why Ahsoka? We've got a we've got a name now. Grogu, Grogu, Grogu. He has a name. He I has a name. something. I, I skipped this episode. No, I'm just kidding. Ah. <laughs> what are you guys? You know talking we're gonna about? slip. You know we're gonna slip from this point on. We're gonna slip like three or four times and say Baby Yoda. I mean, Baby no. Grogu. <laughs> now we actually have the name. Yeah, so uh, first of all, before we jump, jump into to the amazing Grogu name that was dropped, um, you would have heard Ahsoka at the very beginning of this episode, because she is now introducing our our podcast. So uh, special yeah. thanks to Ashley Eckstein for doing that for us, and how appropriate to have Ahsoka be on the podcast on the Ahsoka mm-hmm. live action debut. So yes, super yes. cool. I feel like this question probably, I mean, is, you know, not really going to matter much. But, you know, what 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 did you guys think of this episode? Uh, they're pretty better ones. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know this 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 episode felt great. Uh, this back to the roots that we talked about, you know, the Kurosawa roots, the, the, the Western. And you had both of them kind of on the opposition of a doorway. Uh, I loved that. Uh, that fact that you had like one side was like the, the Wild West shootout and the other right. side was that samurai uh, battle going on yeah, simultaneously back to back and it all felt right. Just fit perfectly. <laughs> yeah, I think was, this was uh, Filoni's like dream come true and, and all of ours. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think I don't know if, uh, you know, Dave Filoni ever thought that he would bring a character to life in live action. You know, that he co-created with, with George Lucas, you know, when he started working, you know, on Rebels and and the Clone Wars, but uh, you could tell he just every, every little thing in his arsenal was put out there for this episode, and yeah, I loved every minute of it. And this was the first thing in a long time that actually almost caused a curse word to come out of my mouth because, <laughs> because when I heard Grand Admiral Thrawn, like oh I goodness. almost let something out. <laughs> 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 got this close. 
And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's what really, really like surprised me the most. And I think probably a lot of us. Um, but I mean, besides that, you know, Ahsoka is my second favorite Star Wars character after Obi-Wan. And um, so it was truly um, like there, there was a moment like the first uh, Ahsoka dialogue, like the exchange with Morgan Elspeth. Um I was just zoning out. Like, I missed that whole conversation. <laughs> I was just like, wow, <laughs> like taking it all in. So, yeah, it was it was awesome. Is it too much to hope that Grogu is rescued in a in a cut scene with uh, you and McGregor just walking by? Oh, hello there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as he's like tucked behind like the security cameras and stuff like. No, that's I don't think that's what yeah. happened. But no, yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. And I think uh, in a lot of ways. And I, I haven't followed as much of the, the some of the online chatter because I know there's a lot of different, um, you know, just truly interesting discussion going on. Um, but I think I think there's a lot of consensus that this probably is the most important, maybe for the overall story, uh, as like anything since the first episode, at least for sweet little baby Grogu. So. <laughs> I don't know if uh, um, and and everybody I've talked to like I so far everybody that I've talked to like likes the name, mm-hmm. but they're like I think I'm gonna go like back and forth on it because <laughs> yeah. it's like <laughs> the cultural phenomenon versus the character and the story you know that's it's a little bit of a uh, tension there I guess but uh, yeah I loved it and um, one thing when I, my uh, wife and I watched it we thought was kind of neat was um, it wasn't like like there have definitely been episodes with more action. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I would argue yep. that the the one with the siege had like a lot yep. more action in it, mm-hmm. and, but somehow this one just like what it achieved was was just pretty incredible, and it was long too. You know, so it was not as much action as some of those, and spread out more. Mm-hmm. But what it's what it was doing, you know, was so essential. So we just yeah, we really loved it. Watched it a couple times. Awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed the pacing of it. You know, especially when. Like Ahsoka is communicating with Grogu, it it mm-hmm. naturally took longer, and it felt longer, and I think that felt really appropriate. Uh, there was a there was, <laughs> I feel like Grogu is I like the name, um, and I'm hoping that it catches on. Uh, Baby Yoda's just a fun, you know, pop culture kind of phenomenon, but I I really like Grogu. It, it does sound like in the same vein as Yoda. So mm-hmm. I think it feels appropriate. And I, I had to notice that when, uh, when Din is trying to get Grogu to, to take the stone, Ahsoka has to like, tell him to use the name instead of calling him kid. Right. I, I felt, felt like that, that was kind of meta. I felt like that was <laughs> like talking to all of us too. Like, yeah. Call him, it was call just him one Grogu. step short. It was one step short of having Din call him the child. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like to his face. Right. Like, no, no, no. Grogu. Right. You know, she like whispers it. I did see, like, there was some speculation online, like, just phonetic speculation and stuff that it might might have a connection to sort of, like, George Lucas's name kind of hidden in it, which was kind mm. of a cool idea. Like, some of the same fundamental letters and stuff. So I thought, I don't know if that's true, but that's that's kind of a cool thing if Filoni and um, Favreau mm-hmm. did that. Because I don't know, I don't know who would have come up with the name. I heard some speculation on that, too, because it's like, this is Filoni's episode, but, like, it's Favreau's characters. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe both of them together. You know? And both of them are, have the writing credits for this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 
Well, so the play I was taking on with it was, um, I think, you know, Yoda, you get this sense that he's like a yogi, right? So there's oh, this spiritual yeah. aspect of, of Yoda. And so the, like Yoda is the play on that word of like, of yogi. And so mm. this one, I was going with guru, right? Grogu, oh. guru, kind of mm. in that same vein of master. I don't know. I mean, it just fit, but yeah. I think that's really, you know, the, the idea of him being that wise, long living uh, source of wisdom for the Jedi themselves is an interesting what, what about on this character is female name based off of yoda man <laughs> well and, and ahsoka <laughs> seems to not have known yaddle because she right, just right, says the right. only one she's ever known yeah. was was yoda so yep. was yep. like, and well. did you notice the yoda's theme was put mm-hmm. in there oh that was mm-hmm. when she said his name yeah yep. a few notes right, from the from his name right nested in that that really awesome song for her i thought too that whole scene yeah. was just a really cool the kind of haunting kind of song. Yeah, that was like one of my one of my notes on the overall episode was the music was phenomenal. Yeah. Um just oh, yeah. loved it. Um another thing that I wanted to point out before we jump into the recap was I also I of course loved how the story of this episode stands completely on its own. You know, mm. and especially for for those who have not ever met Ahsoka before, this is their potentially their first first time meeting the character. They they don't need to know her backstory in order to understand fundamentally who she is and what she's about and her mm-hmm. role in this this story. Mm-hmm. So it's it's great that it, it adds so much more if you already know who Ahsoka is. But if you don't know who Ahsoka is, this is a great then jumping off point into going back to the Clone Wars and Rebels and kind of filling in her backstory. In fact, yeah. a priest friend of mine. <laughs> begrudgingly was like well i guess this is what i'm gonna use disney plus for now besides the mandalorian is to go back and, <laughs> and uh watch one so, of us one of yes, us <laughs> right so so i i sent him um there and and i i'll throw these into to the show notes because i think that they're they're super helpful was there's a couple websites that have like essential ahsoka episodes from the clone wars and rebels to watch and um i missed this on our bo katan episode but there's also a list of kind of important episodes to watch for for bo katan so we will share out both of those links just to to help those who want to know more about ahsoka and bo katan and don't know where to start because there are a lot of episodes in the clone wars and rebels so so wait wait father i have a quick question for you father though does that mean this is new new evangelization <laughs> so, in a, in a galaxy a far, far away. <laughs> oh man! Oh, they could just listen to our podcast. That's true. We did cover a lot of this material. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, he does listen to the podcast too. But nice. you know, it's nice. uh, you know he, he. They know that that I'm one of one of the ones who's in the know. So I, I often get those kind of questions. <laughs> And it seems like uh, many of the fans also agree with us in our high ranking of this episode. I looked on IMDb, and currently mm. on IMDb with over 10,000 ratings or votes, this episode is sitting at 9.6 out nice. of 10. Mm. Great. And that is the highest of any Mandalorian episode, including season one. Mm. Awesome. Which, which do you guys notice that... <laughs> how remember how highly rated those episodes last few episodes of clone wars yep. were so you know say what you will about 2020 it's the year of ahsoka <laughs> and i'm okay with that so that's, that's true uh one other thing that i was just going to throw out there is i i i'm not sure if we'll see ahsoka again because this was kind of a standalone mm-hmm. episode uh, and the, the story rightly should focus on din and grogu 
I I feel like we're either either we're going to see Ahsoka in a spinoff or not until season three. But mm-hmm. I could be wrong. It felt very much like they're yeah. prepping it for her to have her own show, mm-hmm. showing yeah. us what she's been doing, searching for Ezra. So, I would love that. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> Angela, I was like you. I, so I was I was home over Thanksgiving and um, was able to to catch my dad up on the Mandalorian, and so we watched this one together. And he I had never seen it before. And so when Grand Admiral Thrawn's name was name dropped, I just about jumped out of my seat. And <laughs> my dad's kind of just like, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, we, we all want to know where Ezra and Thrawn are. And this, and this is just, oh, can I just want to say one more thing on that too? And we'll get to it later, I'm sure, in more depth. But I would like to point out, I think if my, my chronology is correct here, this, this is roughly 10 years since we've last seen Ezra and Thrawn. And I, and I, I knew yeah. that, I guess, but I hadn't really consciously thought of it until it was like after I was thinking about this episode and just thinking like, that's, that's a significant amount of story time, you know, and evidently Thrawn's back because, you know, Ahsoka seems to think, you know, the magistrate knows where she is. So anyway, then, yeah, so mm-hmm. we'll see, but that's just pretty cool. And, and Ahsoka had the, the time jump with the world between worlds. Right. So, right. but Thrawn and Ezra did not. Right. So, yeah, there's lots of potential there. So back to this episode, it, it of course, was written, I think, primarily by Dave Filoni, but John Favreau has credits there, too. And then, of course, directed by Dave Filoni. So this is uh, the first non-John Favreau exclusively written episode, which, of course, makes sense since Ahsoka's Filoni's creation. So the episode begins. Um, we see the planet Corvus. And the first thing that I noticed about it was I was expecting a forest moon of Endor kind of forest mm-hmm. planet, not mm. not what we got. Uh, kind of a dead, dead world, dead forest, uh, but still, still forest, but just kind of dead. And there's this fight happening outside of the city walls, and they really wasted no time in introducing Ahsoka. I I expected mm-hmm. her more later in the episode, but it was like immediate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was not expecting that. <laughs> and also introducing a tone because there was like this darkness, there was this mist, there was a walled city with like a gong alarm mm-hmm. going off. It's very like, it takes you back to those samurai movies, you know, the period mm-hmm. that I think um, Dave Filoni really wanted to put us in, you know, for, for this episode. Um, and I think it was so awesome that he just did that right off the that everything was you know drawing your attention to all those different elements and it was a bit eerie um i mean yeah soka kind of lighting her lightsabers in the in the darkness and uh taking out taking out her assailants and um i mean i have to say it was really awesome to see her uh i i think i think she uh she did a really good job of of portraying her life live action uh debut and so, yeah, so Ahsoka's out fighting these these mercenaries, and meanwhile, you sort of see that the the magistrate and her her team, I guess, her she's got a she's got a hired gunman with with her named Lang. Um, the magistrate is is Elsbeth, and they are kind of watching. And obviously, there's there's tension between them. The magistrate is orchestrating, trying to kill Ahsoka, and Ahsoka's trying to 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 get some information from from the magistrate. Uh, because when when Ahsoka finally gets to the city walls, uh, she demands that uh, that the magistrate give her give her the knowledge. 
And of course, we don't find out what what she truly wants until later on in the episode. Question. Um, I noticed on Morgan Elspeth's forehead, this little like crescent moon symbol. Does anybody know what that means? I, I was researching and researching. I didn't find anything uh, no. that 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 character seems to be completely new. Yeah. Yeah. They, there's no other mm-hmm. mention ever. So it, it looks like some of the old symbols that the Sith used to wear. Uh, mm. way back when in Legends when there was a race of people called the Sith and they had this thing on their forehead. But it's not... It's nothing I recognize from anywhere. I saw mm-hmm. some speculation that she's a survivor of Dathomir, but I, I don't mm. know what that's based on, though. But, mm. yeah, I didn't Were see Were the Dathomiri destroyed during the Clone Wars? Because I, 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 I know that her people were massacred during right. the Clone Wars. That's that's yeah. revealed, but I don't like. I know about the 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 Night Sisters and Count Dooku and all that, but you know, I don't know like the planet as a whole. I you know, I mean, it doesn't look like it's in much better shape than this planet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and there's that green Man. hue, but no, that has. I think they would have been more explicit <laughs> with something like that. And I really yeah. think they would have lost the casual fan if they went that road <laughs> in this episode. So, right. but yeah, well, no, I I couldn't find anything else on her. Maybe right, more will be revealed in a in a spinoff or mm-hmm. you know later mm-hmm. this season or next season. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is pretty amazing. Like if you go to her her like uh, Wikipedia page, how much information is populated on her just from the, the few lines <laughs> the of dialogue? Of this show. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was there on Friday. Like it was already there. <laughs> still, doesn't really tell us a whole lot. Um, she also has uh, two. HK87 assassin droids. Thomas. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was so sad they didn't get to say meat bag. I was right. like waiting for it. Come on, man. So <laughs> if you don't recognize these, these are from Knights of yeah, the Old Republic. Republic. Yeah. The, the, can, the video I, game. can I make, can I make a quick comment on them too? Because I don't, I didn't hear anyone bring this up yet, but, um, and, and if, father, if you're going to talk about Michael Bean a little later on, I can wait, but oh, did go you for it. have anything go about for it. So, I didn't recognize him at first. I knew he was going to be in this season, but yeah, I haven't seen either. him in anything yeah. like 20 years. So he's got like the hair, like the hair looked different. And, you know, he's in his <laughs> probably mid to late sixties or at least at this point. Um, so, uh, you know, as, as a, uh, as a child of the eighties, you know, I, I, of course, you know, saw Terminator and, and, you know, um, uh, but aliens also, which so yeah, what's yeah, funny yeah. to me is he was in Terminator, and this is where my opinion comes out, and I'll keep it short. He, he was in Terminator and Aliens when those were good movie franchises. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how much of it has to do with him, but, you know, um, you know, as Kyle Reese in Terminator, who I mean, the character continues to be important, but I don't think anyone ever did the character as well as he did uh, in the original movie. And what's funny to me is it hit me like a ton of bricks, and I haven't heard anyone else bring this up, but the HK specifically, you know, the Mando calls him HK Hunter Killers. I'm laughing because I'm thinking to myself, well, that's exactly what Kyle Reese describes when he's talking to Sarah Connor in the first Terminator about one of the models of Terminators that would hunt them down. And you know, when he was a kid, you know, HKs, and she goes, HKs, he goes, Hunter Killers. I'm like, I was like, well, there, you know, I don't know if they meant a Terminator connection, but there's one. And then, of course, he was um, uh, the, the Tombstone movie, you know, which has yeah. some historical problems. But the Wyatt Earp movie with with Kurt Russell that came out in the 90s and he was Johnny Ringo, you know, Doc Holliday's uh, uh, nemesis in that. So I just thought it was funny. I, I felt like I got a couple of, you know, like 80s and 90s connections that they might not have meant um, just with him being there, even in that short little role. So I thought that was kind of a cool, a cool mm-hmm. role for him and a, and a not too, uh, you know, challenging one necessarily, but it was just, you know fun i thought probably for him to be part of it a couple other things to point out about that scene 
the magistrate uh, calls Ahsoka a Jedi. And nowhere in the entire episode, even when Din calls her a Jedi, she doesn't deny it, even though right. <laughs> she yeah. is not a Jedi. So it's I thought the that, that was the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, what, and what was this the, the potential, the sorcerer episode that was leaked like, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. months ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I, I love this. This is the point at which she comes up. The Jedi is a great word because you don't know if it's singular or plural. You never know who it's talking about specifically, right? right? And in this, there are so many instances where we could point to this being about someone other than Ahsoka, right? Right. Because, you know, it's Uh, about the Jedi as a group. It's about the Jedi, this child that was supposed to be raised as a Jedi. Uh, So anywhere, you can point it to all sorts of other places. She gets referenced as the Jedi several times and doesn't say anything about it, probably because by this point in her life, she's like, whatever. I don't care about your labels. Yeah, right. <laughs> she, she's more of one than anyone else is, basically, exactly. you know, that you're likely to meet. And I also wanted to point out there that at that point, we also hear Ahsoka's theme in the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I just loved it. It was so well done. So the, the next scene, we, we, we see Din and the child and they're approaching the planet. And we have this cute scene between Din and Grogu. As he's trying to get him back into his seat and not play with the the little the little knob on the the lever, and of course we all knew that from season one, and I really liked how they tied that back to season mm-hmm. one that there was already a connection with this this toy that well not really a toy but <laughs> Grogu thinks it's a toy, and so he he uses the force to pull the the knob off off the lever and to him while he's sitting back in his seat and uh, descending down to the planet. I thought it was Always impressive because it involves unscrewing and Luke, Luke yeah. had difficulty getting the lightsaber out of the snow. So, <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a strong he was little guy. Partially knocked out though. That's Come true. On. It might've been ice. It might've been ice. So that, that's all. He, he's watched Mando put, put that back on a number of times. So he knows, yes. he knows yeah. that how that works. So they land on the planet and Din uh, has to take the, the, the knob from the child once, once they uh, disembark and he sticks it in his pocket and you know and they make a point of, of really highlighting that that he tells him that it should stay on the ship and but he puts it in his pocket and they head into town and as he approaches the the wall of the city we uh lang is up kind of on the the balcony and lang and din have a conversation and din tells him that essentially he he doesn't tell him what he's here for but he he tells him that yes he's a he's a hunter so of course it's they he's a bounty hunter and kind of affirming that he's still part of the guild and i think that that last is last i checked <laughs> last i checked i love that that's like such a great answer <laughs> and that probably at least from my my kind of take on the whole scene was that's the reason why they let him into the city mm-hmm. because they want to use him to uh yeah. kill kill the jedi kill ahsoka so they let him into the into the city all the locals want nothing to do with him, and Din is ultimately taken to the the magistrate. And we see those prisoners in yep. the kind of restraint things that um, Thrawn used on Hera in Rebels. I didn't catch that the first time, <laughs> but really cool little um, hint there at Morgan's identity. Dang, I didn't even make that connection. I saw those, <laughs> and my thoughts immediately went to the crucifixion. Like, yeah. these were yeah, public yeah. displays of torture and death. 
in the same way that crucifixion was used by the Romans uh, to discourage lawbreaking, you know, through the public nature of the, the consequence of disobeying. So that's where my mind went. And there were three prisoners and mm-hmm. Jesus and the two thieves. I'm totally probably stretching here, but that's 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 where my mind went. But uh, Angela, the Thrawn connection is, is of course, clear later on for yes. sure. So this was that was that that's a good catch. So he goes into the magistrate's own private sort of sanctuary, which is a completely different feel from from the city, which is sort of poor and dirty. And then the magistrate is like, there's these kind of flowing waters and it's super nice. And he encounters uh, the magistrate, who is Elspeth. uh, And I'm blanking on her last name. um, Morgan. 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 Elspeth. So he he talks with her and. Essentially, she tries to get him to agree to go and kill the Jedi that is plaguing her. And so she offers him a completely pure Beskar spear, which is a pretty sweet looking weapon. And I love the way he tests it by, by just banging it against his, mm-hmm. uh, his arm guard and it makes mm-hmm. that ring. Oh, yeah. awesome. The sound design <laughs> for this episode was mm-hmm. so yes. great, too. Mm-hmm. It really was. Now, at this point, this is uh, Dom mentioned when we were talking in our Slack channel about this being very Kurosawa-like. And um, if you haven't watched many Kurosawa movies, then you might not catch it. But this is very much uh, a trope in the Kurosawa uh, film franchise, where the the lone yeah. weapon guy walks into the the, the leader's uh, very nice abode, and he 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 needs him to do something right the the lead the leader needs this lone weapon guy to go out and complete some mission that's unsavory that he does that he sent many of his men out to do and they have been able to complete so that's where this the, the whole kurosawa thing very much starts here and carries through the rest of this entire episode sweet you're gonna be our expert for that because i haven't <laughs> seen very many kurosawa films <laughs> I know Andrew can probably back me up yeah. on these two. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so Din never formally accepts the arrangement, uh, but more or less does what he needs to to get the information out of her on where to find Ahsoka without agreeing to kill her. And he he does get get the coordinates of where she is more or less going to be located. And so Din and Grogu head out into the forest. And <laughs> there's there's a, a fun little comment made before he actually leaves the city. Lang is is there with him, and Lang asks him about the child, and Din basically says he keeps him around for luck. The pacing of that exchange was exquisite, mm-hmm. just so deliberate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like waiting for Lang to respond, and then it's like, well, you're gonna need it where you're going <laughs> a few seconds, and then you just see like. Din just walking out into the distance. Mm-hmm. It was great. I just loved. Mm-hmm. I loved how much time that Dave Filoni took with these shots. It, it was very Kurosawa, also, right? Yes, yeah, very much so. And I just, I love with, you know, you really get the impression as little screen time as he has that that Lang is not. This isn't what he planned for his life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he's just, yeah. Look around. It's pretty awful. <laughs> and, you know, and you get more of that at the end, but but yeah, I just thought that yeah. was funny. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, Din heads off into the forest, and did you guys catch uh, Morai in the trees? Yeah, yes, right away on the branch. Yeah. So that's that's the owl that is 
very much connected with Ahsoka and shows up in the Clone Wars uh, and Rebels. So if you if you didn't catch it, the owl is sitting up in one of the trees as, as Din is is walking out to where Ahsoka is located, at which point Din puts Grogu down and is attacked by Ahsoka. And all I can say is thank God for Beskar. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Like, wow. Um that that is that is why Beskar is is so incredibly valuable. Or one of the reasons why it's so incredibly incredibly valuable. It can withstand lightsabers. And Ahsoka, which would be terrifying if she was if she was facing off against me, you know. So <laughs> Well and you know, Anakin sure could have used some Beskar against Dooku. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very practical like we are just seeing you seeing uh din block her so it was several times i didn't count but i'm just like oh man that's awesome mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we got the flamethrower that was yeah. really neat yeah. yeah and the and the harpoon hook he, mm-hmm. he did everything yeah. he, he went all in on this <laughs> I, love the, I love the look on her face because she was genuinely surprised when he first looped her but then she looks looks up i, I swear it was like almost like a little grin because it's like mm-hmm. okay you know yeah. over yeah you know, like <laughs> Yeah, well, and and he didn't had to just like kind of stop her for just a few seconds so he could be able to tell her that Bo-Katan sent her, sent him, and and you know he's not he's not the enemy, which he which yeah, he managed. He couldn't to say do. fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we get an encounter between Ahsoka and Grogu, and this is this is what I was talking about earlier when I I really liked how slow this was. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Father, just real quick before we, I just wanted to mention, I love what she says when he says, you know, we have to talk. And then she immediately, like, like seeing Ahsoka yeah. join all of us, you know, just that yeah. moment, I hope it's about him. <laughs> you know, right? Him, like, yes. She's, she's on board, too. No. Yeah, just the way, you know, her voice, um, obviously not Ashley Eckstein's, which is the mm-hmm. first thing that really got me, you know, but um, at the same time, they can't change that. And, mm-hmm. um, but seeing like the way her physicality, the way that she used her eyes and her, like that grin and, mm. um, just a little tilt of her head, just those small things that really make Ahsoka and really yeah. say Ahsoka. Um, I think she did a phenomenal job with those little touches in her acting. Mm-hmm. But the posture and some, sometimes yes. not, not yeah. a swagger. That's not, maybe not the right word, but there's a little bit of a, like a confident kind of, again not striding stride yeah you know what i mean yeah so that's i I caught that too yeah my wife was really impressed with the um with the makeup because one of the things that she was really worried about was that rosario dawson has those very prominent features like Mm -hmm. she she has the very strong cheekbones and it doesn't look ahsoka right and uh you know and she was okay with it until she saw that scene in rebels where ahsoka appears at the very end and she's like oh no wait that's not gonna work because if you have this new actress doing it it's not gonna Fit. And she was very satisfied with the way mm. that she ended up looking feature wise, very much like uh, the character that we saw from the Clone Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's something to at least point out that uh, her, her leku, her headtails were not nearly as long as they were at the end of Rebels. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that yeah. that I mean, from from what I was just kind of reading, that's not something to think like, oh, somehow she she lost some of her head tails. But it's it's a practical thing that it was just in order for a live action Ahsoka. Right. They needed to have a lighter headpiece for Rosario to wear. And so in in, in, the sun double for the sun double, especially. mm -hmm, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So practically, it makes her look. Yeah. More or less how she kind of did in Clone Wars. But it's still 
post rebels and i i was okay with it i um it i think the the second watch through i had i had already adjusted my mental ear for the mm-hmm. voice and and i'm perfectly okay with that and her yeah her stances i think was was really what what got me to say yep this is ahsoka like so i think in in the first one of the first scenes when her she lights her lightsabers and is standing there with them lit like mm-hmm. i yep okay mm-hmm. she's she she's ahsoka and can we talk about those lightsabers for a minute because yeah. oh, wow. they looked amazing yes. <laughs> yeah the, the blades they look like katanas they didn't look like you know your your typical like you know, long kind of conical rod that you're used to for the lightsabers. They look very much like blades mm-hmm. uh, made out of light, which I was, that really sold me. I loved that. Part yeah. And it. It, they, they pretty much lit every fight scene she was in, in the forest yeah. because mm-hmm. that forest was so dark. And then, yep. yeah. When, when she holds them up to her face, you know, as she gets in her mm-hmm. stance and, and, you know, in that first scene when, you know, it's kind of like a scene out of a, a Batman movie when she's just right. jumping in and out of the, the shadows. <laughs> like it was, it was really impressive how they were able to uh, highlight her lightsabers uh, in that way. I'm dying for the Disney Gallery for this one. I want to yes. see how they. Oh my goodness! How yeah. they did all this. <laughs> well, and you, you guys figure because you know, Rise of Skywalker came out just well. I mean, it was less than a, a year ago. So now you've had like within within one twelve month period. Um, you know, two live action introductions of a different light, a new lightsaber color, you mm-hmm. know, which, which of course, you know, we've seen in other stuff, but to actually see it like on a, in, in a live action, I just think like, that's, that's kind of cool too. Mm-hmm. And there's Are you some... counting the dark saber. Uh, no, yep. Three. It's I had so to be reminded better. about yeah. that one too. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're about it. It's not a lightsaber. It's a dark saber, but still yeah. laser yeah. swords. well and i I just love how how her lightsabers are pure white yeah Mm -hmm. and that that look and of course just the the white is purity as well and and that Mm -hmm. the the imagery there is 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 really appropriate for her by the way how many of us here have read that uh the ahsoka novel i have did did you guys because because that was where i i couldn't remember if they ever explained why they're white like in Rebels, but they they explain why they're mm-hmm. white in that Ahsoka book, which was pretty awesome too. Yeah, um, I don't know if if I can, can share. share that or not. I don't please, know. It's kind please of a do, spoiler. please do, because yeah. it's basically like well, without ruining too much. It, it, well, I, I think I can do it without. Well, she basically <laughs> kind of you know kind of I don't know if the, if the word convert mm-hmm. is correct, but she basically converts in a sense, um, you know, to like Hyper basically crystals, right? Inquisitor. Um, blades or or kyber crystals back to like the light side and they kind of unbleeds them or whatever it is Um, which is pretty awesome you know that they've been purified in that sense if I remember right and Mike kind of correct me if I'm wrong the whole idea is that the the kyber crystals are kind of pseudo living and the red in a lightsaber is sort of when when a a sith you know bends the kyber crystals to their will and it sort of corrupts it yep yep And Ahsoka yeah, have to synthesize them, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not so, aware of any other case in the books or anything like that, or you know, where someone has uncorrupted, <laughs> I don't, you know, so. red blades. So that was that was kind of cool. She seemed surprised when it happened, too. <laughs> yeah. So so that that's a book that it came out a number of years ago, but it's I think yeah. it's just called Ahsoka by E.K. Johnston. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's it kind of takes place after the Clone Wars, but before yeah. Rebels. And kind and of I sets her up time, into 
Yep. Yeah, at the time they had used some some treatments for the unfinished season seven of of Clone Wars, and I, I read it right after that last season had come out. So it was interesting because it wasn't quite like they referenced the Battle of Mandalore, and it's it's close, but it was it was a little different the way that it played out. But it was still it was still pretty cool the connection mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So another thing to add to your list of to read or to to look up uh, for Ahsoka, essential Ahsoka background. So back to Ahsoka and Grogu, this is where they then sit around um, this this lamp and it's kind of evening and Ahsoka is able to communicate with Grogu through the force. And that is where we finally get the name drop for who the child, Baby Yoda, what his name actually is. And so Ahsoka is able to 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 feel Grogu's thoughts and is able to to glean that. We also get a bit of backstory on Grogu, which is super fascinating and interesting and adds a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> yeah. Way more than uh, I, wrote, I, yeah. I wrote so many questions down on my notes yeah. here. So so he was at least he was raised on the Jedi Temple in, on Coruscant, and he had many masters who trained him over the years. And at the end of the Clone Wars, he was hidden and someone took him from the temple. And that's kind of where I s- I'll stop for the moment, because that already raises a bunch of questions. Um, like who trained him, for one. Mm-hmm. I assume Yoda is one of them, since he's at least the same species, but nobody else seems to... Ahsoka definitely doesn't know him, and I don't know if you guys had... Maybe Yaddle helped raise him, too. Well, I will say one, yeah. one question it did answer that I thought was an interesting one that it did answer. He's not a strand cast. Yep. Right. He's, yep. he's not yep. a clone. And that's a really important one to have answered. And even though we have more questions now with what we saw just the last two episodes, um, it's important for us to know that he's not actually a clone. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't really know how, you know, we, none of us do how the like sort of like gestation and child development phase of this species works because you know I mean, he's 50 but he's i don't know to me he's behaving like a between one and two year old mm-hmm. but he had right. many you know like so we're talking like 30 years ago like when he was 20 he had already been trained for but so it's maybe i don't know how that works or if that really matters but i was just thinking like you know you're basically seeing in the story now that he was at the temple like contemporaneously with 10 year old Anakin, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the, from, from episode one to two, he's ostensibly already there, which is yep. pretty awesome, you know, kind of to imagine now, anytime you watch episode one and two, it's like, he's there somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that, that direct connection to the prequels was, was awesome. Um, and plus I just thought it was so adorable when he, you know, when he just says his name and he like spins his little head, he's like, yo. You know, and just keeps looking up. <laughs> just like, you finally said my name. Oh my gosh, like we were around After it so time. many times. Yeah. We were we were around and rewound that at least as many times as we did when he was helping him, you know, work on the <laughs> you know, the starship. So and then the razor crest. So that yep. was so cute. I was telling some of you before we started recording that actually I I watched the most depressing part of Revenge of the Sith prior to recording tonight because um, I was trying to figure out if in the in the movie, if there was a, a point in there that maybe sort of you could it was maybe implicitly referenced of, you know, Grogu being rescued, because all that we know is that someone took him from the temple at the end of the Clone Wars. And spoiler alert, there is nothing in Revenge of the Sith that at all implies that <laughs> Grogu was rescued. But it but it raises the question of who who actually took him from the temple and where did they go? 
the I, I saw a lot of great memes about this. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, there was one where Grogu during you know Order sixty six, and it was like a, a picture of Shaquille O'Neal hiding behind a very small tree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So yeah, so it's it'll be interesting to to hear you know how he made it out of there and who saved him. My suspicion, and I'll just throw this out there: I have no idea if I'm right, but I I suspect Bail Organa because he was out rescuing all the other okay. Jedi as well. That would make sense. So he's yeah. My my brief reflection: he was the one that that came to mind. And Ahsoka wouldn't know wouldn't know him. So mm-hmm. yeah, and he's got a soft spot for. Well, for kids, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, and he he did. I mean, he rescued Obi Wan and Yoda in Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. and but again, there was there was nothing in the movie that implied that there was another Jedi that they were able to uh, a youngling that they were able to 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 pull out. So I assume that'll get explored later on. But we have conveniently Grogu's memories go dark at that point. And so we, of course, don't know what happens after he was taken from the temple and basically where we encounter him uh, in episode one of season one. I kind well, of assume Grogu that. Give some credit. I was yeah, going to say, right? like, yeah. you, <laughs> you went through so much stuff. You're like, well, conveniently, his memories are gone. It's like, dude, he probably has PTSD really bad. Right. Yeah. I, I assumed I assumed that's when the tests were, you know, started being done on right. him. And then, then that, that probably affects, you know, the. Uh, his memories and, or like you said, it's PTSD and something he's kind of just buried in there. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. when Ahsoka is talking to him around that lamp, she kind of holds his little hand and says, I sense mm-hmm. much fear in you. Right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe yeah, it's yeah. the next day, but, it's, it's the but next you can day, see yeah. like yeah. the puppetry or whatever, the CGI, oh, the combination, yeah. the face is so amazing at that moment. Cause you see mm-hmm. these little squirms that sort of say like, fear and anger like just for a second but it is so intricate and you can tell that something's going on in inside Mm -hmm. of him well and it's like just the innocence of like you know he just wants to like when has he used the force so far he's he's used the force to save his dad yep he's used the force to get a toy you know, like he's used like he cookies cookies. (laughs) like he He, uh, he tried a lot of to choke Kara, yep. well, right, she he was to defend him, right? Yeah. Arm wrestling, yeah. yeah, right. And so, just like he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't seem to have a, a in like this deep urge to be part of a, you know, like a, a warrior defender, you know, race and all this kind of. It's just I'm just a kid, you know. So that's oh man, that's going to be <laughs> continually there, I'm sure. But that that really gets kind of that's. Uh, key in why Ahsoka doesn't want to ultimately train him, and and that that all kind of happens uh, in the next the next scene is 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 Ahsoka testing Grogu, Grogu. and before before that she gets to the the fear part in in Grogu, she she tries to just you know hold the stone and have Grogu levitate it back to her. She she uses the force and levitates it to him and and wants him to to return it to to her. And that's when she senses the fear in him. And the, the, the scene kind of plays out that she recognizes that she, that there's a connection between Grogu and Din and wants Din to, to test Grogu or to ask him to, to use the force. And of course, um, Grogu is, is not really wanting to do much of anything. And Din, Din just says, well, he's stubborn. And 
<laughs> you know, continues Just also on. talking about himself, too. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and ultimately, though, it's, it's when he pulls out the little knob from the lever that that Grogu is a, is is connecting they're they're connecting on a deeper level than just lifting stones but that's when Grogu finally uses the force to pull it to to himself and uh Din Din is all excited about that and that's when that's when Ahsoka basically says that she can't train him uh because she says and I and I had to, I wrote it down because it's it's so it's it's so Ahsoka but she she is remembering her own master Anakin and his fall to the dark side but she says that his attachment to you makes him vulnerable to his fears his anger I've seen what such feelings can do to a fully trained Jedi Knight to the best of us I will not start this child down that path better to let his abilities fade all the feels yeah (laughs) yeah oh my gosh that brought up a lot about her and about because for not being attached to anyone, she cares so much about Anakin, mm-hmm. right? And that's been the amazing thing about her because she provides such a good juxtaposition to him where he went down the path where he became obsessed to the point of being blinded to what he was doing himself in his care for another person. Whereas she was able to care for him as a mentor, as a friend, as a, as a person that she was invested in, but not to the not to the exclusion of who she was and what she was about and what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Even though the Jedi pushed her away <laughs> in the, in the end of exactly. all things, you know, yeah, she took after Obi Wan more so. Mm-hmm. You know, like we talked about in the Clone Wars, where Obi Wan had the potential to be attached to somebody. And mm-hmm. he chose not to. Well, and I, I wonder, and I'm probably going to just save some of my questions more than, I don't have any answers, but on, on this for maybe closer to the end, probably. But uh, I just can't help but wonder, like, as she's talking about all this, what what all does she know at this point? Because, you know, the war between the world between the worlds thing, like there, there's, you know, who knows with what she saw in there. Um, but, you know, this is, you know, what, five years after... You know, mm-hmm. he's, you know, Vader's turn and everything like, you know, has he appeared to her? You know, has he, you know, I don't know, his, mm. you know, Anakin's got the force ghost thing down. So that's, I just wonder, you know, like, is it, but is she just sort of adrift now for five years? Like, does she know about Luke? Like, I, that's, I'm just really curious about what, what does she know? Because she definitely seems to not be completely isolated, you know, in terms of, like, she knows what's going on. She's in touch with Bo-Katan, you know, knows the state of the Empire and, and all that kind of stuff. So. So it's, that's a big question for me. Well, and, and when it comes to the the two paths that are presented here, we have, or at least from Ahsoka's point of view, um, either he she trains Grogu and he would go down the path of, of Anakin Skywalker, or he she doesn't train him and Grogu's powers subside and fade. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, um, Ahsoka, I think, is speaking out of her own pain here. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. of course, as an audience, we all want Grogu, Grogu to be trained like that. I mean, so so at least mm-hmm. from from our perspective, on a surface level, we want him to be trained. But on a more deeper level, those aren't the only two options. The 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 mm-hmm. option, the 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 moral, the Catholic option would be kind of, you know, to 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 be trained, but to acknowledge your fear to acknowledge, you know, your anger, 
but to not let it rule you and dictate your actions, but to, to acknowledge it and to let it go and to, to, you know, to, to love ultimately, um, attachment in a, in a obsessive attachment like Anakin with Padme was, was what led to his downfall, but, but authentic love and compassion are the, the, the guardrails that prevent us from letting the fear and the, the anger kind of dictate our hearts. So that's, um, I, Ahsoka, I mean, hopefully she's, we, we see more of her story because I, I think she's, she's still got maybe some, some healing that she, she has to do with in, in regards to her, her, uh, feelings with, with Anakin. And I mean, maybe that's where they're going to go with Grogu. Cause that's, even though Ahsoka isn't going to train him, we're, we're still of course left open with, there might be another. Well, and I, I thought it was really interesting also getting this episode after reading that article about this being the first authentic father figure in the Star Wars canon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've had so many characters that have had these uh, either bad or uh, uninformed or uninvolved father figures that have caused them pain, that have caused them to go down uh, the wrong path, that have caused them to be subverted. And here we have this guy who's not really fully equipped to be a father yep. but he's stepping up to it anyway you know he's stepping up to that role and in oh. doing the things that you would expect a father to do and then we come to the scene where it's like well that's a problem <laughs> it's a problem <laughs> for him to have this attachment it's like darn it you can't win for losing here <laughs> what's, well what's that's how he perceives it he perceives it as mm-hmm. a problem because again as we've been talking about he's like task oriented right which is how he was raised by his covert i guess you could say is like here's your mission you go do it you keep your promises you know you do what you're going to say you're going to do and then you move on you know and you just do the job and that's that's how it goes but this is a situation where he is now in this unfamiliar territory. But as you're saying, he's stepping up. And it's sort of like, you know, the Star Wars theme of what do you do with your pain, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're going to get to Morgan Elsbeth, you know, her backstory, but she does the opposite, you know, the, the destructive, you know, her planet was destroyed and her people were wiped out and she decides to contribute to destruction she uses her anger to fuel basically the empire you know in a way and um and so you even see that you know we're surrounded in this like as you were mentioning the forest is gone you know because of what her anger has done Mm -hmm. what her anger has led her to do that she chose to use it for and so here we have you know din in this situation where it's like okay what what have his feelings of abandonment and, you know, his memories of his painful childhood, those have led him to step up and to say, no, Mm -hmm. I want to help people. I want to help this child. I want to help free these villagers, you know, all these different missions that we've seen him go on. Mm -hmm. Well, and I would, I would propose that, that him being the father figure is not the problem. Um, It's definitely uh, what Ahsoka points is what, could be a problem you know if if it leads grogu down this kind of obsessive attachment and then fear of losing and then you know going down the the dark side but on the flip side i mean what it has the potential for is that din as the father as the dad has the ability to show grogu what it means to authentically love and then to let go where appropriate and to 
you know, even self-sacrifice for those whom you love in a, in a, in a good way. And I think that that route is what is, is the route that, that hopefully is, is taken. And that's, I mean, that's the ideal route that, that would, you know, uh, lead Grogu down the road of, of giving himself in that self-sacrificial love, but as modeled to him and taught to him by Din, who is, yeah, one of, one of the best kind of father figures in the Star Wars universe. Either way, at this point, Ahsoka doesn't want to train Grogu to use his Force powers. And so the, the focus shifts then back on them going back to the city and, and taking down the Magistrate. And Din does kind of put a, a proposition before Ahsoka, and he basically offers his help in taking care of this problem if Ahsoka will agree to make sure that Grogu is properly trained. And that's where we get the the little bit of backstory on on the magistrate on Elsbeth and Angela. You pretty much already summed it up. So yeah, <laughs> there's, there's uh, not much that we know about Elsbeth or Morgan Elsbeth other than that. Yeah, some sometime during the Clone Wars, her people were massacred and she survived and let her anger fuel her to. Uh, working for the Imperials and building up their their Starfleet, and through that she destroyed worlds with the Empire, and currently is still doing the same thing on on this planet. And so, what was cool then at this point is is Ahsoka asks about the prisoners, and she wants to make sure that the prisoners who are there are are freed. And so her her goal as as much as it is getting the information out of out of Elsbeth what she wants her goal also is to secure the freedom for the people of this this city um especially those who were were hung up in those electric containers did i was just curious did anybody something about the way she asked about the prisoners i was kind of hoping for like a sabine or or some kind of like a particular prisoner she's hoping to get out but that that wasn't obviously addressed it was just more of a generic mm-hmm. question i guess so like i think she said that because of the, of the beginning of the episode right. um, morgan elsbeth was like how many people you know is this information mm. worth to you sure yeah and she she uh very clearly said to her droid to cage him uh right mm. in that first scene um but you bring up a really interesting another question where is sabine in all of this because she was in all those those casting rumors early on, and then someone came out and said that you know I think it was it was a uh, was it um, Gina Carano I think a couple weeks before it aired said that basically all she said was some of the rumors are true and some are not. So <laughs> I, you know, so at, at least like everybody that was that was all about <laughs> Sasha Banks as Sabine, I was never on board with that, but that was pretty quickly dismissed, you know. But mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. than that, you know, I mean. It's like the other, the other ones have been true. So every other Maybe. one I think has been true so <laughs> yeah. far. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, uh, Sabine at the end of rebels joins up with Soka in the search for Thrawn and Ezra. So yeah, that, that question is still open. Where is Sabine in all of this? And it would be great to see her make her appearance into the, to the Mandalorian as well, but not this time. We we get a, an awesome quote there from from Din uh, when they finally kind of secure their plan. Uh, he says to to Ahsoka, "A Mandalorian and a Jedi, they'll never see it coming." <laughs> I really appreciated that, <laughs> which is sort of ironic because in the you know we've seen Mandalorian and Jedi work together before, but 
uh, El- Morgan Elsbeth and the, the people there probably have not because she was, well, even she pointed out earlier that the Jedi and the Mandalorians are like sworn enemies of each other. And that was why she was hoping that Din would also help, help her destroy Ahsoka. So we come to the, the major fight scene of the episode and Ahsoka uh, infiltrates the city by basically just kind of taking everybody out on the, the city, the, the wall. She cuts that big bell in half and just, yeah, get, get, gets into the city that way and approaches Morgan Elsbeth and <laughs> throws down Din's shoulder Beskar armor with the with the mudhorn uh, signet on it, mm-hmm. and uses that as a as a way to kind of throw her off, and says that the bounty hunter failed, and that uh, you know she she again asks, "Tell me what I want to know. Where is your master?" And at this point in the episode, I was still gr- just assuming that that meant Moff Gideon. Mm-hmm. hoping yeah, it me meant too. something else but mm. <laughs> uh, i didn't even ho- i didn't even think about it it was so cool <laughs> yeah i i was i was hoping for something related to, to thron but i just assumed in the nature of the mandalorian it was gonna be moff gideon but i'm glad that i was i was wrong in my initial <laughs> assumptions did you guys by the way pick up i did not until i heard some commentary later that the uh, emblem on the hk droids heads is the seventh fleet insignia Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I didn't see that. It was cool. it was quick. I went back and looked at some some still shots of that. So that's cool. So you know, Thrawn's uh, seventh fleet. So that mm-hmm. was a neat little connection. Mm-hmm. Another another connection to to Thrawn. So of course, uh, Morgan Elsbeth doesn't at all respond to her, but just orders that she be executed. And so all her mercenaries, including those two HK eighty seven assassin droids, go after her to try to to kill her. And then we sort of have this kind of, I called it hide and seek with the mercenaries in the alley. Uh, there was a loth cat that briefly made an yeah, appearance. Yeah. If you guys noticed that. Yep. That was too yep. cool. Um, that's the second time I believe we've seen a loth cat in Mandalorian. I think it was in season one yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Different cat, of course, but same, same <laughs> species. So they, they continue to fight. And then we have the, the awesome dual standoffs between uh ahsoka and the magistrate because she finally infiltrates into the inner sanctuary and din and lang face off in the main street yeah and can i just add here that um the magistrate is played by dan diana lee in osanto who was bruce lee's sparring partner and friend Mm -hmm. and um she is the goddaughter of bruce lee and this episode i noticed it um was uh, released on Bruce Lee's 80th birthday. What would have been his 80th birthday? Oh, wow. 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 That's cool. Yeah. These are just some really cool connections. <laughs> Thomas, do you want to say anything about these two dual, uh, <laughs> dual fight scenes? Uh, they're both awesome in their own way, but you might have more insight to share than, than I will. They are. And, and that's, I think the, the Kurosawa connection is really neat here because the one thing that, that a lot of people know about Kurosawa, I think if you know anything about Kurosawa, you know that he's kind of the father of this, uh, standoff showdown thing that then got picked up by a bunch of Italian directors who then made these spaghetti westerns, right? And so if you've ever seen The Magnificent Seven, that's a direct homage back to his Seven Samurai. Uh, and there's just a bunch of the spaghetti westerns are references back to Kurosawa films because they loved the the concept of the, you know, 
uh, showdown at at noon on the on the highway and these quick draw uh, uh, style weapon fights and things. So to see them both back to back like that, it was just such a great moment to have you know the the gunfighter on the outside and the samurai on the inside and see them both play out like yes, this is this is perfect. <laughs> and then the difference of the imagery too was really cool, where you had this lush, um, nice uh, water filled interior. And that desert, you know, uh, stylized Western kind of uh, dusty street with the tumbleweeds on the outside. So everything about this scene, I thought was just, it was ticking all my buttons, both both <laughs> directions. So I, I really loved it. And then one thing I thought was really interesting, I don't know how much has come up in canon um, in, in this round. So in Legends, there was a fighting style called Terrascasi that was, you know, kind of your martial arts uh, in the Star Wars universe. And I don't know how much it has appeared in canon, but I'm assuming that we're going to start getting more of it if you have these kinds of things come up where there's someone who can actually fight, with, regardless of having a Beskar spear, being able to spend any time fighting against a Jedi who's fully trained is amazing. Um, another note about influences um, that I found out as I was researching this episode is that... Um, so the character of Ahsoka was inspired by um, uh, a, a another Japanese filmmaker, um, uh, Miyazaki, and his mm -hmm. film um, Princess Mononoke inspired Dave Filoni and, and George Lucas to create um, the character of Ahsoka or kind of base her off of uh, a character in that film. Um, and so I was reading that there was a lot in this episode that relates to the movie, like that there's a destruction of a forest, an iron city, a warrior woman coming to take down a wicked magistrate. So, um, oh. yeah, I just thought that was cool too, that the introduction of Ahsoka into the series and into live action is also referencing the sort of origin of Ahsoka. That's cool. Yeah. And the, 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 the fight between, Ahsoka and, and Morgan, it, it was very reminiscent of the last fight in Kill Bill Volume 1, where Beatrix fights uh, Oren Ishii. And, and it's it's this one-on-one, -on -one and it's in a beautiful setting. So the where they're fighting is just as important as how and why they're fighting. Uh, visually, it was, I think, I, I don't know if, if it was influenced by that. I'm sure Quentin Tarantino, he doesn't uh, shy away from his Kurosawa and Spaghetti Western influences, but... It was very reminiscent of that and where, you know, samurai fighting, it's not all about like Kung Fu or watching like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. It's it's much more like, it's like a chess match. There's a lot of long pauses. There's a lot of gazing and trying to just anticipate what your opponent's about to do. And then it's like one clash and then they they spread apart again, you know, that sort of thing. So it was, it was very faithful to the sort of samurai style of fighting and when they could have easily just made it like any any other typical Jedi fight. I think we probably got more of that in the beginning with Ahsoka at the beginning of this episode, but with that, that last fight, it was very cool to see how, how stylistic it was and, and faithful it was to what Filoni was honoring. I also thought it was funny that in the, the, the Din and Lang, as they're kind of standing facing off, they keep hearing all the, the fighting happening. <laughs> you know, and, and Lang at one point even asked Din who he thinks is going to win. Yeah. Like, <laughs> from our perspective, there's no, there's no doubt who's going to win this battle. 
Well, and it's such a it's such a completely like it's some of my favorite dialogue in the episode because it's just so completely dumb. It's just, you know, (laughs) who do you think's going to win? Maybe your side, maybe my side. I'm like, yeah, that's how it works. (laughs) You know, like just more of like I just feel like his character just doesn't he's just completely like, you know, looking out for himself. Right. Like, you know. Sounds like your side's winning, you know, and then just, yeah, he's, there's no like loyalty really. And yet, and yet, it, I mean, there, there was too, because at one point Lang says, you know, there's some battles, essentially there are some battles that are worth dying for, and this is not right. one of them. And right. yet he very clearly, you know, as he's pretending to put down his, his weapon after yeah, he can, Ahsoka he thinks wins. he can do it. <laughs> right. So he, he, he is willing to die for this and he, he does. Uh, so I really think he thought he was going to pull it off. Yeah. Which is like, you almost feel bad for him. You're like, oh, dude, don't, don't. No, man. Not only do you have to draw really quickly, but you have to hit Den in exactly the right spot or it's yeah. just not going to do anything. <laughs> and I, think, I, I swear I have to go back and watch it again, but I feel like he, he like threw a little, you know, triumphant grin up like just as he went. And I'm like, dude, don't. Oh, now you told him you're going to do it. <laughs> like, well, watch this. Well, and, like, no. and from that angle, maybe he was hoping to get him like right under the helmet, like yeah. on the neck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, all you know about him is, you know, Din's read on him that he's ex-military, but it's also mm-hmm. like, you have no idea what this Mandalorian has yeah. been through. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like, this is not, this is not the way to go. <laughs> this is not the way. Right. <laughs> so, so Lang is taken out by Din and uh, Morgan Elsbeth is defeated by Ahsoka. We don't, we don't actually see what happens. Other than the the name drop where she asks where is where is Grand Admiral Thrawn, and of course we don't hear the answer to that question, but we don't we we have no idea what happened. So I I'm assuming Ahsoka didn't kill her, but we we don't know. the The final scenes um, include the the city. Oh, and I think I, I forgot to mention earlier. Din actually when he jumps into the fight earlier into the city, he he jumps in to save the prisoners from being executed. Uh, mm-hmm. Which was which was part of what what they were all about anyway. And the unsung hero of this episode is the villager that talks to him, mm-hmm. who right. is obviously willing to risk his life before Din actually flies in um, to save those prisoners. Um, so, fun fact about him: he is a legendary Disney Imagineer. His name really? is Wing Tao Chao, and um, he was uh, he was inducted. Well, he was awarded the Disney Legend Award along with John Favreau at a D twenty three last year. Hmm. And so, and in his acceptance speech, he actually said that his mother wanted, always wanted him to be a movie star. So he was hoping <laughs> that Disney would make a kung fu architect movie because he's an architect. Oh. <laughs> so he got he got his wish, and probably I'm guessing it was because of John Favreau because John yeah, was right. there. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, and, he, and he and he apparently is the magistrate. Mm-hmm. He, he takes over the governor now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That all happens while the, the city is celebrating their, their freedom. And Ahsoka gives Din the, the Beskar spear. And then Din goes off to retrieve Grogu from, from his ship. And you can tell that, that Din thinks that this is goodbye. And he thinks that he's leaving Grogu with Ahsoka to be trained. And so they're, they, they kind of have a, a kind of a special little time together as he, 
wakes him up and and is you know gonna that was a little rough say say <laughs> yeah, goodbye to was, him yeah <laughs> come on yeah but very very quickly ahsoka do, does show up and mentions that that din is like a father to to grogu and again reiterates that she can't train him and din points out that she made a promise and so ahsoka's gonna gonna find a third way here and she points out that there is a possibility if he goes on another quest to the planet Tython, where he will find the ancient ruins of a Jedi temple with a strong connection to the Force. And she tells him that if she if if he places Grogu on the scene stone at the top of the mountain, that Grogu can then choose his own path. And if he reaches out to the out through the Force, there's a chance that a Jedi may sense his presence and come searching for him. But again, she points out there aren't many Jedi left. So this uh, adds, again, more questions. Well, and, and the number one that keeps crossing my mind, and I, I know some of it touches on stuff that probably wasn't foreseen, of course, you know, but, but I don't know. I mean, Yoda, <laughs> Yoda told Luke with his dying <laughs> words, when I am gone, the last of the Jedi will you be? And it's just not true and i just like that kind of bums me out to some extent it doesn't weigh me down i guess but it's just kind of like it's like the last of the jedi except these 18 other guys <laughs> well, wait, hold, hold on, hold on. No, no ahsoka's not a jedi well, right, not right. A jedi, right? Okay. Is ezra uh, ezra's not a jedi See, that's, he's, he's not a member he's, of the order right well, true, he's not a member Kanan, of the order in, in, wasn't in the same way that that ahsoka's not he's right. not right that's fair uh, yeah. so i i think that anyone who is left yeah. He's not a Jedi. Right. And that that was really intended to be Yoda's moment of saying that Luke is like he's a Jedi. Right. He's confirming right. Luke is the path forward. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, that's fair. I, it fits in the yeah. sense that yes, there are other force users. Right, right. But there's no other Jedi. It's right. like apostolic succession, right? <laughs> yes. It's like, right. kind of ordaining yeah. him. <laughs> See it all connects. There we go. I'm just curious, though, because of that, you know, when she flat out says, though, that, you know, that we have this this doorway now, I'm I'm nervous that we're going to get some interruption to that mission, mm. you know, because oh, they are being sure. actively tracked, <laughs> you know, right. but that's such a cool thing of like, is that is that where our season two is going to end, you know? Well, like, and, uh, and it looks like it. Uh, yeah. I was I was actually kind of I mean, the way the, the pacing of it when when he was going back to the ship, I was kind of scared that Grogu wouldn't be there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was yeah. nervous Me there too. too. Yeah, yeah, but then it was oh, okay. That was some relief, obviously. <laughs> but, well, but yeah, uh, yeah. We, I mean, we only have three episodes left, so mm-hmm. if this this kind of has to be coming quick, mm-hmm. and I, I just I want to hear your take. Which Jedi? I'm okay. I'm I'm just assuming that a Jedi is going to respond. Which Jedi do you think is going to respond? <laughs> a D a D aged Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well there's there's all the speculation. I mean I've been I have been blown away by the people who have been done those comparisons with Sebastian Stan mm-hmm. right. and yeah, Mark Hamill. Because it's those, yeah. I mean I don't you don't see it when you see him in like, you know, Winter Soldier or something, but then they do the makeup. I'm like, dude, that's really good. But you know, <laughs> but yeah, I mean you could, you know, you could pull that off, even if it's like the only thing I think is like, you know, you could do it from afar with Luke. You know, mm. um, but you got to have some kind of contact potentially, right. you know, so that's, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, it makes the most sense, I feel like, for it to be him. Yeah. Obviously, there's, you know, the the other popular theory is is Ezra. But what I think of is like, well, if 
if it would be Ezra, then why wouldn't Ahsoka try and contact him that way? You know, right. if she's if she's looking for him. Right. I mean, maybe maybe she knows where Ezra is, and we don't know that she knows, and mm-hmm. she didn't reveal that. But because it looks like she, I mean, she obviously knows that Thrawn is alive. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I mean, interesting to see. And then, well, I'll let you guys uh, say, you know, say your theories. But also, um, another theory I, I, that that's popular is uh, uh, I'm forgetting his name, but the the one from Fallen Order, the video Cal. game. Uh, yeah, Cal Calestis. No. Um, uh, so I don't know. I, I I want it to be Luke, but I don't think it would be Luke. I, I think they they won't touch it, that character for a while. So it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I I know who I know. I know the crazy theory I want it to be is, is the one floating around about Mace Windu. <laughs> oh right, which you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, that that wouldn't make me sad, uh, to be honest. But the, the question, of course, would be why yeah. why, why would he have not been involved at all in anything in the last twenty? Years? Yeah, <laughs> he throws that whole Jedi. He throws the Jedi thing. Like, yeah, yeah. He he is Jedi. He actually yeah. is yeah. Jedi and would be so right. He's still falling. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> he gets him mid fall. It's a big planet. Uh, I want him to show up on a spaceship loaded with snakes. That's too much of a deep cut. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't, said it. I don't think no. there's going to be a response. I, <laughs> Snakes I, on a starship. No, I, I don't think that there's going to be a response to it. Mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be that that this this pairing this this these two they are the real deal. I uh, think so. Yeah. What I what I do think is that the the fact that they're they're having to go to to Tython, I think we're going to find out just as much or maybe more about the Jedi themselves. Mm. Maybe stuff we've that's never been revealed to us in 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 the movies or the animated series because obviously they're 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 making the Jedi really important uh, in this series by introducing Ahsoka and 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 obviously the the whole goal of the the show is is for him to find the Jedi or a Jedi and and he finally does and and now uh, this Jedi or Force user is telling him to to go to Tython mm-hmm. so I I think we're it's if anything we're gonna explore more or discover more about about the Jedi themselves than, than we are about, about Grogu. Angela, do you care to weigh in? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only thing that I will add is that I, I, don't think, I don't think Luke will respond. And I think that's more probably because from a storytelling point, they have, they have been avoiding the Skywalkers in this whole series. And yeah. so I right. think from, yeah. from that perspective, Luke is not likely. I know I want it to be Ezra, and I want it to tie in with the Ahsoka storyline. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but that's basically then where, where the episode ends. Uh, the Din and Grogu board the Razor Crest and lift off, and Ahsoka kind of walks back towards the town, and it fades to black. Definitely a well a well done episode, and uh, yeah, hats off to to Dave Filoni and I mean all the actors and everybody involved. This was a this was a good one, and the whole thing for not having these other storylines take over. That's that was the big concern that was i was so worried about all of these other people starting to come into the story Mm -hmm. and this is still the story of the mandalorian and and the child that's it and it and it will cause a lot of people to jump into the clone wars and rebels and Mm -hmm. and a lot of people won't and that's that's completely fine and you don't you don't need to know the backstory but it 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 only adds to the depth of the character if you do before well i guess any final thoughts I just want to throw one out there, and this is crazy maybe, but I, I'm just, something across my mind that would just be cool 
possibly is um, Dr. Pershing in that trans uh, that uh, transmission made some comment, you know, in the reference to the the high M count and the you know the uh, the donor's blood and all that kind of stuff. But he also made reference to the I forget if he said the volunteer or the test mm-hmm. subject. The volunteer. Uh, what if that's Thrawn? I don't know. I don't think that's that's he's he's kind of got his own thing, but I just thought I I don't know if there's some uh, that might be my no. I guess and maybe not that specifically, but just I I had a few notes down. I was kind of sketching out like how might there be some kind of connection with him and Gideon? Because I know some people are talking about. Obviously, we're all thinking about this potential spinoff or this could go into other series. I just don't like. You know, Bo Katan mentions by name Ahsoka Tano, and Ahsoka Tano shows up. I don't know that you would mention Grand Admiral Thrawn because again keeping in mind that people don't maybe all know who that is mm-hmm. and then if, if you only have his name mentioned in this to then only have him show up in a spinoff series and he's not coming in this at least maybe not this season but you know that just I don't think that would make sense um, so anyway that's for what it's worth I mean I, I do think you're going to see him in Mandalorian because he's mm-hmm. been specifically mentioned by name yeah. in this important reveal, which, you know, even if you don't know anything about him, that was the build up to what Ahsoka's whole mission was about. So I, I think, yeah, I, th- I think you'd have people asking questions if he doesn't show up at some point. Yeah. And my other thought was on on that note was um, if we hadn't already seen Boba Fett out and about, I would have thought he was the volunteer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know. The only reason I was thinking volunteer for Thrawn is just because, like, you know, he had had that good chat with Ezra, and it's been a few things with him as as far as his being intrigued, you know, um, strategically by the Jedi and their abilities. Right. And then having been defeated, you know, which didn't Mm -hmm. happen much because of Ezra and the whole Force connection, I can imagine the strategist Thrawn would be at least open to, like, (laughs) I wonder if I can somehow get in this game. I don't know. You know, (laughs) maybe I'm wrong, but... (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you and I'm going to, no. <laughs> and I, I, I don't, I, and I don't know about it. Yeah. I, I, I apologize for as geeky as I'm going to get with some of this, but I don't <laughs> think it would be strategic for Thrawn, first of all, to be the volunteer when so many others have done it and failed and not lived. That's true. That would that's be, true. Yeah. that would yeah. be very, I wasn't um, thinking of that. Unstra- yeah. Not, not good strategy there, but also, uh, if you read the, the books, uh, the, the Thrawn ascendancy trilogy mm-hmm. book one is out. And then the Thrawn trilogy, you, you pick up pieces that some of the chiss are force sensitive. Yeah. And yeah. actually they're called, uh, and I think this was kind of meant, but they're, they're called skywalkers because they can yep. use the force to navigate through the unknown regions. Right. And, um, they kind of, are able to walk through the sky and Mm -hmm. but the whole point is that like when they hit like their teenage years they lose that ability and so thrawn at least and and he wasn't a skywalker so he's he's not had the ability to use the force but his sister that's right yeah Mm. we don't know much about her and and sorry just mentions that that's that's a brief comment in in one of the books so he's at least aware of it but and they're also i don't think uh, uh, he may not even, uh, I don't know, an adult Chiss may not even have the ability to use the force and maybe this yeah, transfusion would like it. So, right. so sorry to, to, to try to shoot holes no, in no, your theory, but that's, that's, that's my thought. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's more, that's a good point. Cause I just, I just finished that book, uh, that ascendancy book mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I, yeah, and I, I was, I guess I was just mostly wondering about, because I know some people have been have been saying that they'd be like, well, yeah, he's just going to show up in a spinoff. I'm like, no, I think he's going to show up in Mandalorian. But I just, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. 
in it, what it capacity? Would, it would yeah. be very odd for them to name drop him and then not pay it off. Yeah. And and I don't know enough about how, I mean, we're in the rank structure because, you know, Moff Gideon, I don't know how he's not a grand Moff, you know, but I, I'd have to go back and look at how that stacks up against the Grand Admiral, <laughs> especially yeah. in this sort of, you know, like, what's the chain of command right now? Em- you know? Emperor. Emperor is the top. Yeah. Right. And then, and then Supreme Leader. <laughs> Holiday Special told you. Yeah. Yes. See, <laughs> see, we, we already. Yeah. Uh, okay. Any other final comments from any of you? I, I hope, um, you know, as much as there was revealed in this episode that we were surprised by, like, oh, wow. Like the, the episode started out with Ahsoka and, and then we found out so much about, you know, Baby Yoda. We got his name, you know, we got you know, his, his backstory, uh, at least, you know, a good portion of it. Uh, I hope the next episode surprises us with, with that as well. I hope it's not just, you know, another, like, you know, on his way to Tython, he gets into some sort of trouble or, yeah, I don't think if the Razor Crest breaks down again, I think, (laughs) I think you should just give up on that ship. Um, but I hope, yeah, I hope, um, Maybe maybe they're swarmed by a whole you know pod of purgles with Ezra like riding on the back of them like no don't do that, oh, that it's like it's Sea World or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean you would have to imagine that the transponder is gonna play a part in this and and mm-hmm. we're gonna see some action on 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 that side of it because uh, I, I mean I don't know how slow they want to play it but uh, they still haven't gotten to him yet but I hope that's just my hope for the for the next episode and with three episodes left. I'm sure that it's 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 going to pick up the pace. Uh, uh, not that this season, you know, has has uh, been slowed down by anything. Um, I, I think the episodes where we get this sort of villain of the week uh, is just have all been great and 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 haven't uh, at least in my opinion ha- hasn't uh, you know, except for the this season to suffer. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I hope that we get surprised again in this next episode with uh, with some like, oh wow, that they really just do that because uh, they, they set the bar high after this episode mm-hmm. at, at least in that respect i would only add one other random random comment um i think that the the name of grogu has gone over better than the sheev palpatine reveal <laughs> <laughs> sorry sheev yeah. oh my gosh sheevies turn it over a new leaf um i have just one other thing that i wanted to share and this this was actually coming from Ashley Eckstein on her Instagram. So she she just shared this uh, to to the entire world, and I just thought it was really awesome and appropriate, and it relates to Ahsoka. Oh, yeah. And I just wanted to read it for our listeners. And so go to her Instagram, and you'll find it. But I also wanted to read it here because I think she does a really good job of kind of encapsulating what Ahsoka means to people and what her debut in live action meant. And so to quote her, she said. To understand Ahsoka Tano is to understand what she means to people. Millions of people are meeting Ahsoka for the first time after watching her in The Mandalorian, and I'm excited for them to hopefully go back and watch her journey in The Clone Wars and Rebels. Millions of fans already know Ahsoka, and her presence has come to mean more than more to them than words on a, in a script. In Star Wars The Clone Wars, Ahsoka became the eyes of the audience. Viewers experienced the show through Ahsoka, And even though these stories happen in a galaxy far, far away, her feelings and emotions are very relatable to our everyday lives. Ahsoka's strength has inspired, changed, and literally saved millions of lives all over the world. In turn, Ahsoka has become a beacon of hope, light, and genuine goodness. 
Everyone's relationship with Ahsoka is very different because she triggers the memory of a certain point in a person's life where she inspired them. Even in the darkest of times, Ahsoka brings people joy, and that's what truly matters. Ahsoka taught us that, quote, you don't need to carry a sword to be powerful, unquote, and Dave Filoni reminded me that kindness is powerful. After 12 years, and hopefully many more to come, of having Ahsoka in our lives, Ahsoka lives in all of us now. I am blown away by everyone's kindness. I've read all your messages, DMs, comments, text messages, and emails. And to, and to say thank you does not even feel adequate enough to express what your kind words mean to me. It's my wish that Ahsoka continues to bring people joy, light, and most importantly, hope. This is the way of Ahsoka Tano. End quote. So Sad. I, yeah, really appreciated what, what she had to say about her and Rosario's character now. So we'll leave it with that for this episode. Listeners, of course, definitely let us know what you thought of Ahsoka's live-action debut and what you thought of this episode in general. And you can email us and comment on our Facebook or Twitter page to let us know what you thought. You can email us any feedback at starwars at sqpn.com. And you can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia and on Twitter at sqpn. As always, we would like to take a moment now to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including this week, Justin H., Adika L., Tom V., Randy L., and Afton R. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows here at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, of course, please be sure to subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, your favorite podcast player so you don't miss an episode. And you can find us on the SQPN YouTube channel. Just definitely click the bell to get notifications when we uh, release new episodes. And you can find all of our previous episodes at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And we will be back next week where we will be discussing the sixth episode of season two of The Mandalorian. And so until next time, Mike Creevy, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Star Wars. Oh, thank you, Father. Thomas Sanherjo, thanks for joining us this evening. It was a pleasure. Angela Cialana, thanks for joining us. Thanks. May the Force be with everybody. And Andrew Hermes, thank you as well for joining us in this awesome discussion. Thank you, Father. And once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>